Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed, and past performance does not guarantee future results. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. My son, business partner, and director of investments at McNamara Financial Services is with me this morning. That would be Justin. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. All right, so planning or investments. Where do you want to go next there, my son? Oh, we can jump to investments. Okay. We, we did, I think, a little bit of planning stuff in the last segment, so we can uh, switch over to investments and then jump back to pl- some more planning stuff yeah, later on. That's yeah, cool. and then for you folks who are just about thinking about retirement or who just did retire and you're doing a whoops now based on what's going on, stick around for the planning section. That's what I would say here. So we'll <laughs> probably get to that the last, the last half hour here, plus or minus. All, All right. right. Go for it. Um, you know, I'm going to ask. So these, this questions, a lot of these are. Most of this outline is courtesy of you. So, which means I did most of the work, basically, right? <laughs> well, you you also have to op- answer these somewhat open-ended questions. Uh, question number one: Should I be worried about the stock market? So, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you answer that one. Go for it. Uh, if you are, if you are an informed investor probably working with a financial advisor with a diversified portfolio appropriate for your needs and risk tolerance. And if you have enough money in emergency reserves to wait out what's going on, uh, and if you have enough money in your income bucket in your retirement plan because you're taking money out of there, no, you shouldn't be too worried about it. In fact, if you had a few bucks lying around, you might want to invest some money from time to time while prices are cheap. Okay. That was my answer. That was quick. It was easy. Yeah, I, I think I, I would say that we're, you know, I, I think the average, maybe maybe our, maybe the public, investing public is a little bit more informed now than maybe when we, uh, than when I started in the business 20 or so years ago. But You mean those um, folks who won Bitcoin and stuff like that? Those kind well, of <laughs> Maybe we should we should uh, we should take a, See the a tangent ones. to do a, a Bitcoin Victor lab. Have you done that on the show yet? <laughs> no, no. But but by the way, th- that's so interesting you say that. Okay, I think I told you a long, long time ago. I was yeah. concerned that people were going to get smarter and would never need a financial advisor. Well, yeah. p- people are getting smarter, but by the way, the world's getting more complicated when it comes yeah. to investments, Justin. I, it, it's, it's like always the same. It's just at a higher level of confusion. That's, <laughs> that's all. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of my, you know, more of my concern, which is probably, I'm sure it's always been the case that, yeah. you know, the average, um, the average discussion that you get with, with the client who's, you know, on the nervous side is generally speaking either a retiree or pre-retiree, right? Yep. I think, I don't think I've had much in the way of, you know, concern from younger folks, right? I think people are, people tend to, maybe, maybe that's, maybe, you know, this is a, 
um, based on their association with us or, or you know, m- maybe my guess is that it's you know, more common knowledge now that the market goes up, the market goes down. And I've, I found that most folks that are in there uh, in kind of their working years and their saving years have been, you know, I, as I've as I've, you know, had meetings and done reviews with clients. I haven't had a ton of concern from that demographic yet. I don't know. I know you probably have a slightly older client base than I do, but so I'm not sure you could you know, you would speak to it, but uh, well, did that, you, that's been my experience. Did you ever think that that might be due to your wise counsel and care could be. for clients? Could be, yeah. I mean, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that um, <laughs> it's probably out there and, and uh, you know, people have been preaching the, uh, you know, the, the staying invested and not try to time the market. And this is, you know, it's, it's always cyclical for a long time out there in the media. So yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I'm heartened to hear that. Um, not that, you know, not that people are loving those meetings when they, you know, when they're, when their accounts are down, but um, certainly I, I find most people taking the correct view, which is, yes, I understand that this is part of the process and uh, I'm, you know, I'm not panicked and I'm just going to, mostly I hear, I'm just going to not look at my, my statements for a while. Yeah. Which is, I think it's a good, a good way to look at it. Yeah. I, again, I, because I have some longer relationships than you do, it's probably a little easier in terms of no, knowing folks, but yep. Uh, it, it's it's pretty much the same. If if people kind of have an idea what's going on and have been through it before, and you know, yeah, I, 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 I but I think that's due honestly to working with advisors. Pardon me for being biased and doing a plug for having a financial advisor in this confusing world. But uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. But p- p- don't be afraid to pat yourself on the back once in a while. Uh, if you're not getting a lot of calls with folks that you haven't known as long as I've known mine, good for you. That, I think that's a wonderful thing, and they'll be better off for it over the long run yeah uh, all right. I, can, I mean, some of these, some of these are going to be quick hitters here. Should yeah. I, what should I do with my 401k? Should I stop contributing? I think that's an obvious no. Um, you know, we can have the, we can have the, I did have a, it's not on your, um, it's not on your outline here, but I did have a conversation about contributing to a 529 plan, which, you know, as a result of, you know, maybe, you know, should I change my, my 529 contributions based on the fact that the market is volatile and we have inflation and, you know, there's really been not a lot of place, especially in 529 world, right? 529 worlds are pretty tightly regulated. So I'm going to guess that almost, I'm going to guess almost no one has a, um, other than their money market fund, I'm going to guess that probably no one listening right now has a, a fund inside of their 529 that's actually done well. Right. I mean, they, they don't, I, I think I'm pretty sure 529 doesn't give you a lot of options. I don't think there's a lot of commodities funds options in 529 just yeah. because of the regulations. Again, I could be wrong on that. Um, I do, you know, I'm, I'm relatively familiar with the, with the major 529 plans, but uh, there are so many of them out there. I don't actually know how many there are, but uh, you know, there's probably 50 or more 529 plans available and I'm not familiar with all of them, but most of the ones that I come across, which are the popular ones are, are just investing in very, very major. So this client basically asked, yeah. could he or she put more money in the 529? Was that the question? Or? Oh, yeah. Yes. And this was a short term. Right. So, you know, to, to make sure that everyone's on, everyone understands the conversation. Uh, it's a very, very short term discussion. Right. So, hey, my kid is starting college next year. Right. So here we are. You know, we're in we're in early July and payments essentially starting a year from now. And so the question was should I continue my periodic investment plan to the 529? 
And, you know, I think that's a, that's a reasonable discussion yeah. for you to have. Sure. And, you know, to, you know, to answer this one, we, we actually did say that they might as well just start banking that money. Yeah, stick in it in cash, market. right? You're going to need What's it. What's that? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So you can put it into a money market fund inside of a 529, or you can just, you know, sort of stash in your savings account, right? The way that the way the 529 works, the benefit of it is tax deferral. Uh, and so a, when you get so close to college that there really isn't a lot of appreciation potential, then all of a sudden the tax benefit is, is, you know, very, very reduced to gone, right? You know, if you, if you put money into a 529 money market a year ago, you essentially didn't earn anything and there was therefore no benefit, uh, for to have putting the money in, in the 529 unless I'm sorry, I always have to do this. Uh, unless you get a, a, a state tax deduction, yeah. which not everybody does. Yeah. And by the way, if that client, had a one-year-old kid and they're 100% stocks, you would have had a different answer than somebody right. who had <laughs> of course, an yes. 80. And, and folks, yeah. that, think about that, folks. It, it, the the timeframes and circumstances kind of determine investment decisions, uh, n- not the investments themselves. You know, wh- what your life is and where it's going and what you need, That's those are your choices. So, so should you stop contributing to 401k? Absolutely not. Uh, you might want to think about uh, increasing it uh, if you believe that, you know, when, when stocks are down, they're cheaper. Uh, and so my, my comment would be, good time to increase it if you're feeling comfortable about that. Or even if you're feeling uncomfortable, it's still probably a good time to increase it. Yeah. I'm not sure how many folks would actually do that, but uh, I think it's a great idea. That should be periodically reviewed anyway. Yeah. And I think especially, I certainly understand that uh, you know, with all the talks of a recession that, you know, that go on in the news that there's, you know, some people might be worried and may not want to um, increase their 401k contribution. But if you're feeling secure in your job uh, and and not worried about being laid off as a result of a recession and you have some extra cash flow, you know, we, we, you want to be reviewing how much you're putting in anyway. I certainly think that in, under those circumstances, it's not a bad idea for you to consider increasing if you can. Under the umbrella of a comprehensive written financial plan in your life that says that you can do that and it's a good idea, right? All right. That's right. Yeah, by the way, while we're on the 401k thing, I, I didn't put this in, but should I be changing my investment strategy as a result of the bear market? <laughs> it was no. Okay, you shouldn't. If it, it was appropriate for you before the world fell apart, uh, wh- why would you change it given the circumstances? Anytime you're going to make a change like that, you're playing the short-term bet about you think you know what's going to happen in the world sort of a thing. So if you had a sensible strategy that made that was appropriate for you in the 401k and a long enough time frame to deal with a down market no you don't you don't change strategies you, you, you the only reason you change a strategy from in an investment uh, anytime is due to your circumstances and what might dictate in your financial life a change not not what you think the markets are doing because you'd probably be wrong about that comment my son um yeah i mean i would say yeah, that's that's pro- probably right for just about everybody. I mean, in theory, if your particular investment strategy involves sort of a, a dynamic approach to the markets and um, and you know sort of regularly comes with adjustments to it, I mean, the, the portfolios that that we change that we run, you know, they're obviously periodically 
adjusted and updated. And in under that context, you know, you could say, all right, well, hey, my my outlook is this, and you know, my my portfolio is this based on on that. And now things have changed a little bit, and so that may require some adjustment to my portfolio. I would say that most most folks, that's a very very complicated game to play, yeah. and that your average say retail investor probably ought not be doing that. Those you know those folks tend to, I think, probably not do that particularly well because it's a very very difficult game to play, right? Yep. So you know, ideally, you're in a you're in a, a long term investment plan, and in those you know, and in, in you're in. You know, you have this X, X in stocks and Y in bonds, and you're diversified in each place. And if you're invested for the long time term, you probably ought not do anything. Although, you know, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush here. That sure. hey, if you're if if your uh, if your investment program is, you know, trying to be uh, value oriented, and uh, you know, I'm going to buy some more stocks when when they go down. I guess yeah, in, in theory, maybe you want to be making some adjustments. But for the vast vast majority of folks, I'd say the answer is no. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have some money. Is it a good time to invest? By the way, I personally, I think I sent you an email a week ago about me being in that situation there, my son. We should talk about That's that. That's right. You did get that. That yeah, was yeah. in my brain. I've been waiting I for a you're, you're, you're your own financial advisor. Well, hey. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> let, let's let's talk about that. So, folks, you know, if, if, if you believe that the world is not actually going to come to an end permanently, and I think it, it looks like it does every three or four or five years, depending on what's going on, but if you believe we'll come out the other side of this and hopefully be better for it, which all of history is evidence of, uh, that then maybe it's a good time. To, it, it, it is a good time to put some money to work. I, I like to say it's never a bad time if you have enough time. You know, if you're 27 years old and you yeah. came into a chunk of money you need like a hole in the head, it's a great time to put it to work uh, because theoretically things are cheaper than they were six months ago. By the way, if you put it to work six months ago, That'll come out all right, too, but maybe not as well because you started at a, with a higher base. So, uh, honestly, folks, uh, if you have some money that you absolutely don't need, like forever or for like a really long time, uh, as in at least 10 years, sure, this is, a, this is a wonderful time to put money to work because prices are 20% cheaper than they were six months ago. Okay? But you have to drink the Kool-Aid about the world being okay and having faith to... to to, to, to make that plunge, but uh, that's uh, that's my short, direct comment on that, my son. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I have had that conversation as well with folks who are you know they, maybe they've had an inheritance recently or they've sold some real estate. Um, I I. I, I would generally agree with that, right? Mo it's That's a harder discussion yeah, yeah. than I think uh, we give it credit. No, I would say that not we give it credit for, but, you know, it, it's, it seems obvious and say, all right, well, hey, you know, you let's just say you inherited this money at the beginning of the year and then you didn't, you know, just for whatever reason, it didn't happen to be invested. And now we sit here with the markets all 20% lower, you know, academically, you'd say, hey, this is, you know, you were probably relatively comfortable investing this money in late 2021 and now it's even a better time, right? Yeah. Um, the yeah psychology of that, especially with larger chunks of change, which is usually what we're talking about here, uh, is certainly more difficult. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, I think my general conversation is that I try to talk folks into at least starting the process um, in and, in, you know, depending on how much money it is, we can make some adjustments to maybe the time frame over which we invest it, right? That's, that's chunk, my, chunk my, it my in. normal discussion. Chunk it in. Yeah, folks, if, if that idea 
kind of makes sense, but your emotions are saying, yeah, but it's still a big decision. Well, t- take the yeah. chunk of money and divide it up into three pieces or five pieces and spread that spread that investment time frame out over six months or a year or a year and a half to make it easier. So as long as you can get it in there in whatever way, shape, or form, you, you'll probably get paid for it over the long run. Yeah. I know we, we're, we're longer-term investors, but I do tend to find myself... I always sort of have a, a shorter-term guess on the market and my, my shorter-term guess How are you doing on that, is, by the way? Okay. What's that? How you doing on that, by the way? <laughs> well, so far, I'm, that's uh, so far this year, not so bad because it's continued down. But yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, particularly convinced that uh, you know by the end of the year we're gonna, everyone's gonna have all their money back that that they've um, that they've lost. So I am, I'm trying to be sensitive to the fact that uh, you know, hey, this may last a while longer, yeah. but that, yep. that that doesn't mean you shouldn't invest. It just means that maybe you wanna extend the time frame over which sure. we invest, right? Yep. Hey, you think things are going to be worse for a while? Yeah. That's great. We'll invest your, you know, we're, we'll invest your inheritance over the course of a year as opposed to our normal six months or, or you know, just dumping all the money in. Um, because you can always accelerate those investment programs, yeah. right? If, if you if you start a slow drip into the market and then, you know, we, we're talking two months later and the, uh, you know, the, the S&P is down 50%, you can always accelerate that. Um, yeah, yep. but yeah, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like you. I tell folks to you know try to get on a schedule, and then if you need to adjust the schedule, preferably to invest more, not less. Yep. Um, that's probably the best way to go. Alrighty, uh, do it uh, as comfortably as you can. That may be the best way to say that. Okay, yep. uh, where can I get good interest on my savings? I think we expl- talked about that earlier. Like no place. Basically, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's getting better. Well, well let me, let, see. Let, I let, have me the, uh, let me rephrase that. Where can I get in- good interest on my savings and beat inflation? Uh, yeah, you can't. Yeah. Well, that that was that's almost never the case. So, I mean, the, the one yeah, I still have the one year CD rate at at least it's it's point two one percent. I you know we've bought some CDs. Point two Finally, we we when we're managing short term cash for clients, we yeah. occasionally will buy a CD for them just because you know hey I need uh, you know thirty thousand dollars, but I don't need it for a year for for this that or the other thing. We'll occasionally buy a CD for clients. We we have started doing that again. Yeah. Uh, you know, you might be able to get a percent or two in in a CD at this point. I don't know that it's a, uh, a great idea because you know rates may continue to trend up, and sure. but, uh, again, that's the kind of thing that you are. I, I would say that's a it's a pretty dynamic environment, and uh, you know I would I would just shop around for the best interest rate that'll that's liquid at this point. That's sort of my advice. Yeah, and if you people. bought the two percent CD, you might kick yourself a year from now because maybe yeah. interest rates on cash went to four. You know, yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Okay. This is one you threw in there, or I think maybe I did. I can't remember. Should I sell my investments for tax loss? Yes. Just yeah, take some time on this. And by the way, we got maybe like three or four minutes here for you to answer that question. So. Oh, is that enough? Yeah. yeah. So um, a tax loss, just just to set the stage, I think maybe most people know that when you sell an investment in a taxable account, there's a tax consequence, right? Hopefully it's a gain. Right, you sell. You know, you buy your you you buy your shares of Apple at um, at a hundred dollars, and then you sell them at a thousand dollars, and you have a nine hundred nine hundred dollar capital gain. That capital gain is taxable, uh, and you you also get a loss if you sell an investment at a loss. Right, so if you buy uh, if you buy the S and P five hundred at uh, thirty uh, at, at four thousand, and you sell it at thirty four hundred, uh, that six hundred dollars is a tax loss, and you can use that to offset income on your taxes. All right. Um, the you know we regularly take tax losses for clients. Uh, for the most part, I think our our process is just to have clients have 
a fair amount of years of the three thousand dollars that you can uh, use against ordinary income. This is um, uh, this is stressful here because uh, the tax loss discussion. I'm not sure is one that, you, that can be had in three or four well, minutes. Well, all so right, we'll have to continue. Maybe should I just break. do the detail? I'll, I'll I'll start with the detailed. I, I won't rush it, and then if we have to okay. split the discussion into I. Uh, yeah, we can do that, right? It's our, yeah, by it's the our way, shot. this is important, folks, because this is something yeah. you could do to uh, alleviate a little of your pain, maybe. So the, you, you can use $3,000 per year against your ordinary income. And because ordinary income tax rates are higher than, than uh, long-term capital gains tax rates, it's you're generally better off doing that, right? So in other words, if you sold, if you have an investment that you sell at a gain, let's say it's a long-term capital gain, so if you've held it more than a year, You'll most people will pay fifteen again. Most people will pay fifteen percent to the federal government, or or maybe if they're in a lower tax bracket, they pay zero. Right? Um, the ordinary income tax rate is higher than that. So for for folks in the twenty two percent tax rate and above, you pay the fifteen percent on long term capital gains, and if you're in the twelve percent tax rate and below, you pay zero percent on long term capital gains. And so the you know the reason that you want to have maybe some tax losses when you can is because you're trading in a future capital gain at a lower rate for a law for you know for a loss right now at a higher rate right so you get to reduce your income at 24 percent now as opposed to pay capital gains taxes at uh at 15 percent later and that's a pretty good trade and most people and most tax advisors would tell you that that you want to take that every time so mr klein have i got some good news for you we've got some tax <laughs> losses news. okay and we're going to make some lemonade from lemons yeah. or something it's, along lemon, those lines. it's not i mean it's not a ton of money right <laughs> if you do the you know if it's three thousand dollars a year and the difference is, you know, 7% uh, in taxes or, you know, I mean, it, it really works as you get up higher on the income scale, right? Because, you know, the 15% capital gains rate mostly sticks around. I know there's some adjustments to it as you get way up in the income spectrum, but um, it's a, it's definitely a beneficial thing. It's not like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not gigantic dollars, yeah. but every little bit counts. And, and before you know, the break, you, you, we're talking about taxable accounts, folks. And by the way, Justin, the benefits, the bigger your taxable account is, the bigger those benefits because they generate a bunch of gains regularly on a yearly on a yearly basis. Okay, time for a break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. We're back. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. And uh, my uh, co-host today happens to be my son, Justin, Director of Investments. Don't you like that at McNamara Financial Services? DOI. Is, yep. that, is that on your business card or do you even have business cards anymore? I don't know. How does that work? <laughs> Yeah. I, I definitely have business cards right. somewhere. Just, somewhere. Just check. So, 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 somewhere. Okay. That, that sort of would be my answer. All right. Some so people started handing out business. I went to a, we went to a conference and someone asked me for a business card the other day and I said, oh man, are we, are we still doing that? Um, no, we have them at the office. I just don't, I don't, I don't travel with them. As long as you have plenty of clients, you don't need business cards, Justin. That's right. That's how That's it right. works. Uh, anyway, what, any, any finishing comments on tax losses? I, I've just got one. Folks, the tax losses we take in your taxable accounts, that would mean an individual account or a joint account. And, and if you happen to have 
uh, an individual account, uh, I would say north of a couple of hundred thousand dollars, you want to take some tax losses because that portfolio on an average year would generate some gains that you could probably shelter in addition to your actual income for the $3,000. So if you've got a big taxable portfolio, it's great to take tax losses. You okay with it? You want to pick a different number than a couple of hundred or what do you think here on that, Josh? Well, I mean, I, no, I, well, so what, what I usually do in our, our as, as director of investments, our policy is, and, and it, so so to be clear, everyone's situation is different, right? So we have some clients for whom, you know, you maybe you sold a piece of real estate uh, in in this particular year, right? In that case, it's Whoa, you know, take every yeah. tax loss that you can possibly get because I'm going to have a huge capital gain, and I'd rather trade, you know, a you know a, a big big tax bill this year for um, you know smaller tax bills in future years, right? When you take a tax loss, you you know you do you're just accelerating. Um, your your tax deductions, right? You you know every time you take a tax loss, you reset your basis lower, which means your future gains are then higher. So it's not like this magical thing where oh you get a tax loss and you save money for no consequence. Um, and so, but but for the average person, we we look for tax losses up to like somewhere between maybe the you know the fifteen or twenty thousand dollar range, and that'll get you through five or six years of that ordinary income tax at three thousand dollars. And that's where you get the biggest bang for your buck. I think everything over that is sort of, uh, you know, that then it becomes a personal preference as to, uh, um, you know, hey, I, I really want every tax loss I can get because I want to yeah. put every dime of um, of capital gain off it for as long as I possibly can. In that case, then you you basically just take all the tax losses you can get. Yeah. Um, but for, you know, I think for the average person. There's, I would say there's a definitely a downside to taking huge losses, right? So if you have a if you have a million dollar portfolio and it's aggressive invested aggressively, um, and let's just say it loses forty percent and you take a bunch of tax losses, well then you you reset your basis at six hundred thousand dollars, and when you get the recovery, even though you sort of have this bank of losses, not everyone always remembers that bank of losses, and so the the psychology of then saying well, hey, uh, you know, we're, we have to rearrange this portfolio or get more conservative. People just tend not to like that that large capital yeah. gain. So yeah. I am not of the camp that you you just take as many tax losses as you possibly can because the, even though you may have those losses to use in the future, uh, not everybody is always cognizant of them. Not everyone remembers that they have them. And then so you may get some, you know, future psychological impact on making a, a portfolio change that may be appropriate, right? I mean, you know, you I know that you've had the conversation with clients who have been aggressive for a long time and we say, hey, you know, you're getting close to retirement and this particular portfolio is a, you know, is, is fairly aggressive. And I think it's probably, uh, you know, it's probably time to get more conservative here. And then, you know, you may get some pushback and, oh, what's that going to cost me from a tax point of view, right? So I, I, I do like to not exacerbate that potential issue. Um, but again, that's just, you know, every, It depends every on the person and the situation, for sure. All right, that's Jack, right. I'm yeah, gonna, and you, and, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, talk to your tax advisor about it and say, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, um, you know, that, you know, he or she will have some input on, you know, yeah. you know input and or preference on how you should handle that. Yeah, and I'm going to take about two minutes to try this and then we should move on. So, by the way, there's a couple of ways you can take a tax loss and hopefully you're working with an advisor or an accountant to do so. But you can take your investment that has a loss sell it, park the proceeds into a money market account for at least 31 days, and then buy that investment back. That would be one way to take a tax loss. Or 
you could sell that investment and exchange it to a new investment that's sort of like the old one, but not exactly the same, okay, uh, and basically create a tax loss and, and, and do that, it that way. Well, is it better to sit on the sidelines for 31 days and move it back in, or is it better to continue the ride with what goes on? Nobody knows the way, the answer to that, but there are a couple of ways you can do it, and it, that, that, that whole situation depends, 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 correct, my son? So I don't want to beat yep. that to death. I want to move on to the planning, but any quick comments on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, so that's an investment advisor question, right? If you're, yeah. if you're your own advisor, you then, you, you would have to look at the pros and cons of that. In our particular case, we, you know, we are mostly a tax loss, you know, exchanger, right? One, one fund to a similar fund uh, and you stay in the market and we, we tend to avoid flipping out of funds that may, you know, that, that, you know, are maybe actively managed, right? Where you can, where the, where the predictability of the strategy maybe isn't quite as easy as something else, right? If I, if I know I can switch my one um, emerging markets ETF for another emerging markets ETF, uh, I get my loss and I don't really have any impact on my, um, any impact on my, you know, f my performance going forward. Whereas if I flip out of an actively managed mutual fund and I sit out for, 30 days, well, you know, maybe whatever, whatever the active manager uh, was going to do to add value, maybe they did it inside of that 30 days and maybe I missed out. And, you know, therefore I, you know, I, I bought that, I bought that active manager because I thought they were, you know, going to do this, that, or the other thing well. And I probably want to be there for all the, you know, all the time in case it, you know, in case and until it does happen. Maybe uh, it was so good. Maybe it was bad. Basically, if you did, that's, that's our policy yeah, is that, yeah. that you okay. know, especially if you're, depending on what your investment strategy is, yep. it's easy enough, right? Mo most folks have something in their strategy, right? If you own the S&P 500, uh, you can just sell it and you can flip it to the, the Russell 1000, right? Very, very similar investments, uh, but you don't, uh, but you, you know, and you, and you can qualify for the tax loss. It doesn't really impact your, uh, your investment strategy all that much. Whereas selling, you know, something for 30 days, you know, that, you know, that those 30 days certainly could impact your, uh, your investments because we don't know what's going to happen, good or bad. Uh, and then changing active managers, right? You just don't know when they're going to do, you know, do the thing that maybe they do well. Yep. Uh, and so that's our policy. But again, it, it just works with our strategies because we, we invest in enough assets that have very, very easy replacements for it. You have to make the, make that judgment for yourself. Yeah, and, and my, our, our closing comment on the subject of tax losses is that if you do this by yourself without consulting your accountant and or a financial advisor, actually maybe both of them, okay, you could get yourself into trouble <laughs> with how, how you do that and the execution and some tax issues. Yeah, so you just, you just want to be careful about that if you're going to do it on your own. That's all. Okay. Yep. All right. All right. So I was about to retire. I'm rethinking that given the uh, with the market or whoopsie, I just retired, uh, you know, January 1st and uh, my portfolio is down about 15 percent in value. I'm kind of re regretting that. So what's, uh, you know, what what to do? A, a big whoops. Uh, yep. Where you want to start on this? I want. Do you have an answer? Uh uh, the answer is it depends. Isn't that our favorite answer, given yeah. the circumstances? Um, I, I, I think my, uh, my, my normal, direct, hopefully succinct answer is that if you had a comprehensive, written, well-thought-out financial plan with reasonable assumptions about things, and uh, if that financial plan looked absolutely hunky-dory uh, and you've already retired, 
you shouldn't be bothered too much because that pl financial plan took into consideration down markets and still said, you know, you're, you're looking pretty good. So, so in the context of a very robust, use one of your terms, Justin, uh, financial plan uh, that was sensible with some good assumptions, it probably doesn't matter. Uh, okay, whether you're thinking about retiring and delaying it or whether you're already retired and you're going the big whoops. What would your answer to that be? Yeah, I, essentially the same thing. I mean, I do, right, it's, it's important now to point out that not every, you know, not every retirement plan on which, on which a person retires is identical, right? So, you know, it, I think it would, it depends on the strength of your, of your projections. And I, you know, I, I did have a, a client who was set to retire right about now, we, you know, we did have a, a conversation about it and, you know, together we sort of came to the, um, we came to the conclusion that, uh, he, he was going to try to continue to work, um, uh, part-time and maybe not fully retire because of the particular strength of his financial plan. Right. So if you, I mean, if you run a financial plan for somebody and, and, you know, you and I have both done this, Oh, you know, there's, there's like essentially, sometimes it's just essentially nothing that can, that can make the plan go wrong. Right. I mean, if you've yeah. saved enough and you've been you know kind of responsible enough and your expenses are reasonable enough, some financial plans are just essentially bulletproof um, because of, you know, because of the ratio of, you know, sort of financial assets to spending, but not everyone retires in that exact same situation. Right. There are lots of folks who go into retirement and we say something like, well, Hey, you know, you have pretty good odds of retirement here. And, you know, maybe your Monte Carlo analysis says 95%, but, you know, 95% is right. That's like a one in 20 chance that things go wrong. And, you know, most of those scenarios are, you know, you know, most of those of that 5% are probably scenarios where the markets were lousy in the early years of retirement. That's a, that's the most dangerous time from a, from an investment point of view to have a lousy market when you're retiring is right at the beginning your account values are down and you start taking money out and you just, you know, you have a hard time, you know, making it back up because you were pulling money out on the way down. Right? Yeah. Not, not that you can't try to manage that and, and, you know, mute the impacts of it. But the reality is, is that most failure scenarios when you're running, when we're running our analysis are relatively lousy markets early on. And you just sort of dig a hole that you can't get out of. So yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, you have to be sensitive to, you know, what was my retirement plan? You know, just to be clear, you know, I've, I had other conversations with other clients where I said, you know what, you're, you're in a fine situation and there's no, you know, I, I, I don't think you need to change course here based on the fact that you're getting a, a very poorly timed uh, market environment. But if you're, if you're, if your plan wasn't particularly strong, if you didn't have a ton of flexibility Wiggle in your room. spending, yeah. Um, yeah. Then I, then I, you know, there, there's certainly a case to be made where maybe it's a little safer to, you know, put off retirement for a little bit if you can, or or, or do some more part-time work, right? So I, I would say it's. Yeah, it depends. Long answer to say it depends. Yeah, but by the way, uh, one other thing. So, folks, uh, if your financial plan did not include spending any equity in your home. Well, then you've got the home as a backup plan, and are, are you okay using that? Okay, so a, a biggie in a financial plan is, did you want to try to pretend that you're not going to spend your house in retirement and your kids are going to get it or not? 
sort of a thing. Uh, and, you know, you might have a financial plan with mediocre numbers, but a, a $900,000 house uh, with no mortgage that could probably bail you out if you got into trouble somewhere down the line, sort of a thing. So, so whether or not to use home equity is a big part of a discussion like that. You know, fr- from my point of view, the the folks who are thinking or real close to retirement, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of them, Justin, e- even even if the plan said you're looking good, would probably, to be on the conservative side, you know, decide to work a little longer or do something just just to take the edge off of that that yeah. stress that you know. There's the there's the financial reality, and then there's the psychological <laughs> right. psychological Absolutely. impact, right? Given the circumstances, uh, but you know, uh, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, if you truly either loved your job or didn't mind it at all, and if you're a little nervous because, oh, geez, it just fell apart, and you were going to retire. Yeah, July fifth of this year, after a, yeah. a down market, you know, maybe you say, "Well, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't mind working. It's not going to stress me out, uh, and, and it'll make me feel a little bit better about the future." Go for it, you know, or, or you know, may, may, maybe you do some part time work or whatever. I mean, if 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 a plan, if your financial plan is going to be in jeopardy. Okay, uh, th- then either working more or spending less is is one of the ways that you can do it and make it better. But by the way, I guess that applies for like any stage in life, right? Working more or spending less can kind of yeah. you know fi- fix your financial circumstances. But but you know so, so if you're if you are on the edge of that retirement thing. That that's uh, uh, you're probably doing some soul searching right now, I guess, about how it is. Well, if you're on the edge of retirement and you're in that situation, okay, and if you don't have a comprehensive written financial plan uh, created by a certified financial planner practitioner, if that sounds like a commercial, it is for certified financial planner <laughs> practitioners. You'd probably feel a lot better, or maybe a little worse, if you had one of those things. But at least it would be the reality of the situation. So, so it. it you know, so the folks that are about to retire, you know, if you have a plan that says okay and you still want to work, fine. You know, do great, great time to. We generally try to get a hold of folks a month or two before their official retirement to, for the old gut check session. Anyway, so if you're in that situation, go talk to your financial advisor. If you don't have one, well, hey, get one. Uh, the, the folks who are retired and already made that decision, that's. That's kind of a more difficult place to be, I would say. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, I, I guess I would uh, call up my certified financial planner practitioner or ask him to rerun my plan under my given circumstances to see what it looks like. And probably if it was done well to begin with, it wouldn't change much. I mean, what, what would your comment to that be? If they've already retired, pulled the plug January 1st of this year, uh, what's, uh, what would you tell them? Yeah, I mean, certainly you can, right. So so rerunning everything with an updated set of numbers, you know, just, I would say that you should know, right, the way that these projections work, right, and the, the, you know, the the Monte Carlo analysis that us financial planners do um, to, you know, to sort of show you odds, they are dynamic. And, right, just because we ran, if we ran one that said, um, hey, you have a, you know, a 98% chance of a successful retirement right before you retired, and that was great. Uh, if you do rerun it uh, six months later, six months later with a with portfolio values that are down ten percent, uh, you will get a lower you will get a lower number. And again, hopefully, 
hopefully you're in a situation where the number is is still a strong one and probably it will be right i mean if you're if you're working with someone who you know who's running a financial plan for you there shouldn't be that much variability right if 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 yeah. you if you were if you were given the yeah. green light to retire you probably aren't in you know kind of dire straits now here six months later because you know the markets are down you know the stock market's down 20 percent and the bond market's down 10 right it's probably you know there's it's i would say it's a very very rare occurrence that you would have a massive switch in your in your success odds yeah that, that needle shouldn't here. move very much basically it shouldn't it saying. should not right yeah, yeah, although okay. you know uh, that said there are some folks who who you know who retire fairly aggressively and um, that might be the kind of thing that you, you know, you may get a, a, a major change if you're, you know, if your odds were like 75% when you retired, they may, they, you know, those will tend to maybe drop further as you, uh, as you, you know, reduce the values uh, that are, that are going into those long-term projections. Yeah. You know, I, I, I guess I'm thinking about this. I, I would say that if you've already retired uh, and the numbers are that were great uh, six months ago and still good now. Uh, that that's all good. But I, I th- you know, that's, I think the greatest risk uh, of folks in retirement uh, in terms of their plans not working out is that they generally spend more money than they planned on and and don't get with yeah. their advisor until it might be a little too late to do some things about that. Uh, yep. Have you run into that very much? Or I, I certainly have. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, we're, I think we're pretty sensitive to it yeah. uh, now, and, and we, yep. we, we may even go overboard on on, on being <laughs> well, on our expenses. Well, get in here. We need to talk to you again, yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. I mean, certainly that does happen, yeah. And, and yeah. you know, ideally, that's why you want to you really track your expenses very closely in those years before retirement, right? I, you know, probably, hopefully you're not doing your first retirement projection you know six months before you retire because you really want to you know ideally it's in the in the bunch of years that add up to it because hey we make your projections they're based on this level of spending and oh by the way let's just make sure that that's what your spending actually is before you decide to pull the plug right because most people miss on their spending projections that's just the way it is no one can get it perfect anyway and the average the average uh i would say the average financial planning client does not have uh um, the greatest hold on what what exactly they're spending on a year to year basis. That's yeah. just maybe, a, yeah. maybe generalizing a little bit, but I think it's probably accurate. Yeah, which is so. So I think the the action point of all this is that if you have a financial plan, hopefully you do. Uh, whether you're retired or not, you, you should revisit it pretty frequently because things change and you know things need to be updated. Uh, and if you're retired, and if you're following the rules. Probably every two, two or three years, you'd have a gut check just to make sure about how that goes on, sort of a thing. Uh, yep. uh, you know, it, it just hit me too that we we, we haven't talked about um, like the the factors that determine the success or failure of a financial plan. And uh, I guess I'll start off with saying that what you earn on your portfolio is is nowhere near the most important variable in the in the success of your financial plan folks the, I, I, I Justin I'm not sure if I'll get these in the right order but I think the the biggest variables uh, that that affect the success or failure of somebody's financial plan uh, would be the the variability in their expenses it would be how long, they actually live, and then probably I'd throw inflation in there before I got to inter- what you earned an in interest on your portfolio. What, what would your order be, and did I miss any? No, I think that's about right. I don't. I don't have any. I don't have any qualms with that. Although we, I, you know, to be clear, that's just a based on 
you know, the experience of running a lot of different financial plans and putting a lot of different factors in there. I, I, yeah. I cannot, uh, I can't verify that with any, with any, uh, with any real numbers. So it's kind of unique that we've actually agreed a couple of times here yeah. so far today. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so let me say that again, folks. So, you know, wh whether you were in four and a half percent or five and a half percent uh, or six and a half percent on your investment returns, whatever those assumptions were in your financial plan, um, if, if that goes up or down a little bit, that's, that's just n nowhere near the most important variable in whether you're going to be okay or not. Okay. Uh, t t t truly, from our point of view, we're much more comfortable making guesses about returns uh, th than we are about what people are going to spend in retirement <laughs> on their financial plan. So y your expenses and to the, the degree to which they go over what you thought they would be is probably the biggest factor in whether that plan's going to work. And, and again, you may have some planned or unplanned expenses that, that come to be that could wreck a plan, you know, kind of given the circumstances. So expenses and, and how long to live. You know, we, we run some plans for folks. And I would say, what's your default age in a plan? Age 90 for most folks? And then let them decide if they want to live longer than that? Is that where you go with that, Jess? Or? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, usually yeah. We, we try to push people out to at least age. I mean, we get a lot of pushback yeah. on that. Yeah. So, so for, for age 90. So, yeah. Yeah. We do. And then, you know, we make adjustments for longevity. Yeah, so, so folks, if you have a, a very high score at age 90 and then we run it for 92 and it falls off a cliff, well, then, then there's, there's, kind of a, there's kind of a message there that basically how long you live can, can, can affect, you know, the success of your financial plan. So, so you know, if, if who, who knows how long people are going to live, obviously, but it's a good reason to revisit every two or three years. And, you know, it's funny, the, the people, I've met people just who said they were going to live to 80, and when I was meeting with them when, when they were 78, they changed their mind about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, kind of funny how that works when you think about it. But, and, and I've met folks who are 85 who've changed their mind about that, too, yeah. sort of a thing. So, so um, your expenses by far, how long you'll live, and yeah, if we have eight percent inflation forever, yeah, that's going to be a, a destroyer of financial plans. But, but probably not going to happen. Uh, but again, we get all tied up about uh, you know returns on our investments, and you know logically so. But in, in the big picture, you got a few other things that thankfully you can control that would make a difference for you. And I think that's a, a macroeconomic point to make here before we close. Jess, we've got like a couple couple minutes, Tim, two or three minutes. Maybe, yeah, two or three. Just uh, how about I'll stop talking and you can do any summaries on the planning. I don't want to monopolize this too much here. So Yeah, I don't okay. know. I mean, we, we could, uh, you know, do you want to do a rapid fire? We could do some, you know, we, we yeah, did not get to, um, I'm thinking of converting to solar power. Good or bad idea? Okay, you sure. That one? Oh, sure. <laughs> just, I'm just joking. I don't know. Yeah. You put some. You put some stuff on there that I didn't. That I was like, oh well, we're we're advising on politics and uh, and and solar power purchases, now, hybrids, let's, let's, EV or hybrids. You have all kinds of stuff on well, here. I think well, you were maybe just well, you were scraping the about, bottom of the barrel. You were talking about people in real life situations. I was trying to be <laughs> sensitive here to stuff like that, but never mind. So let's st let's stick. What with was this. your solar panel answer? Yes, was it a yes? Uh, Energy prices are, are going to be uh, up up for a long time so lock in your your uh, your solar costs now and and uh, reap the benefits later i don't know uh, no my answer was it depends i mean <laughs> yeah. you know uh, I, I i i think it's still a relatively new industry that's uh, that's got a great future but you know, I, 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 I went through that exercise myself, and it didn't make any sense whatsoever, given a bunch of circumstances sort yeah. of a thing. I mean, I, I can remember back in the 70s, everybody was going to go out 
and buy a wood stove and buy wood to save your money and energy. And then things went back to normal and wood stoves disappeared and it was too much work sort of a <laughs> yeah. thing. I, I don't think solar or wind power will disappear. I want to be clear about that. But I still yeah. think they're in the early financial sensibility. Uh, is it really going to work kind of a thing for me over the long run? But no. But uh, you know, from uh, you know, my, my comments are, folks, if you've got a really solid financial plan that's written, that, that's well thought out, that's created by somebody who has an ability to do that. And if you can use that to, to guide you through your life, you know, uh, you can probably feel pretty comfortable about most things that happen in the world, or at least if you're uncomfortable, know that you have prepared for them and planned for them and are ready to deal with them sort of a thing. And that's, uh, you know, I, I having a big plan in place is a comforting thing for a whole lot of people and we almost always go back to that when somebody brings up a problem or an issue so that, that that's the the big point here have one i guess just yeah 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 no I, I don't i don't really have much to add to that yeah um yeah i don't think we ha- we don't have much time we can't get into you know, no. we, we another time we'll have to we'll get to roth conversions uh what else yeah should we invest my should i adjust my spending projections i don't think so yeah i, I yeah. think you know in short uh oh that's I'm good. Sure Make it even. short. Quick. No, that's all right. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll get out of here. Uh, hey, have a great weekend, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Alrighty, Signing off.